Hey, this is Dave Ryder from New Spring Church here in beautiful Perth, Western Australia. Really praying that this message is going to help you. If you'd like some more information about our story, just head to newspring.org.au. How you all doing? Good. I'm doing good. You're doing good. It's great to be with you this morning. And uh, if we haven't met, my name is Aaron and I do serve on the team here. I serve as one of the elders of New Spring and... Can you believe it is the second week of January? I, I, really, I really honestly can't believe that. And most of us are back at work, I assume, or this week, coming, hopefully. A few teachers shaking their head. Teachers don't go back to work for a while, but that's okay. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's an amazing year. We've got an amazing year ahead of us, amazing time. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to what God's going to do in this place. So before we get started, let's pray, hey? Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your glory. We thank you for your majesty. Lord God, you and you alone. Heavenly Father, I pray as we just um, open up your holy scripture as we talk, as we just see you, Lord God, I pray that you just come and open our eyes, that you just show us yourself just that little bit more. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Holy Spirit, just be in this place today. In your name we pray. Amen. So I wanted to talk today about a really easy word to say, but it's not actually that easy to live in or feel. Can you think of what it is? It's a word called peace. We have talked about peace every now and then, especially in today's climate. It's not an easy thing at all. It's not, a, it's not something that is just easy at all. It's not easy. But before we talk about it, I wanted to show a little video. Um, guys from the Bible Project, they do really good videos. And if you haven't heard of the Bible Project, look them up. Every topic, they just take out something and just open it and open your eyes. It's incredible. This idea of peace, it's, it's restoring, it's fullness, it's completion. Not this peace that like, hey, peace, man, like peace to the world. It is not that. It is true, biblical, beautiful, restoring peace. So let's have a watch of this video and then uh, we'll get into it. Thanks, Olivia. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. 
In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting, it also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom, and his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. So good. So Shalom or Irene, and if you're from Camillo, it is Irene. They sound good to say, but again, not as easy to live in. If you wanted to write a title for your notes, if you're taking notes today, it would be Peace, Be Still. So the start of the year is always a good time for New Year's resolutions. I could say, put up your hand if you're making one or doing one. Chelsea's bold, she's putting up her hand. Um, I, I'm not a fan of them. I don't like them, to be honest. And the reason why is because I probably would, I honestly probably wouldn't stick to it. Um, but I do like the concept of them. I like the concept of them because I like the idea of, of doing something that m makes myself better, that I can learn or I can grow, or to get out of a routine that you might get stuck into and you sort of get stuck there. I like that idea of doing that. What's this got to do with peace? Well, I think if we were going to set a goal for ourselves, a New Year's resolution, for individuals, for our families, even as a collective, as a church, I think our resolution should be how to live in peace, how to live complete. If you've been around at New Spring for a while, you know that we have 
time and time again, and as Dave and Andrew has led, have led us, we've been breaking down scripture into verses, into phrases, really nutting down on how we are to live as kingdom people, really how we are to just, just to understand what this whole thing is about. And the word peace, this idea of peace, comes up time and time again in that. Again, it's one of those words that is really easy to throw around and say. But it's also a word that I really feel that we need to proclaim. It's a word that we need to profess over our families and over one another. I love how in Paul's letters he starts with it. If you go back and have a look at all his letters he writes to the churches, he says, grace and peace to you from our Father, Lord Jesus Christ. He, he, he declares it. The, the churches might not necessarily understand it. He knows that not all of the believers are living in this peace or even grasp the concept of it like we are grappled with the concept of it. But he speaks it over them. He proclaims it in faith over them. The way that Paul has done this has, over the last year has inspired me as we've been communicating with the creative team here at church and as we would just talk about our stuff and, and write text messages about what's going on, I would always end with grace and peace to you. In the aim of knowing that we might not necessarily, some of us might not necessarily feel it, some of us might not know it. I certainly don't understand it, but declaring it in faith, prophesying it in faith over each individual person. To stand decided, resolved in the fullness of his peace. Scripture tells us that faith, faith is a substance of things hoped for, but not yet seen. Sometimes his peace is not seen. But we need to stand in faith that we will see it and we will experience it. As we saw in the video in Colossians, Paul says this. He's telling the Colossians about Jesus. He's telling them about his supremacy, about how Jesus is the fullness and completion. Verse 19 says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness in him. Verse 20, Through him to reconcile all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This making peace is Jesus what is taking broken, what is taking chaotic, and he's restoring it in our lives, in our families, and in the world. We read in Acts, the followers of Jesus are up in the upper room, and they've talked about this, this is funny. But the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and then Peter, Peter unloads, unleashes this amazing sermon, right? And, and it, Book of Acts is, is brilliant. But all the people hear this message and they say, what do we do? What do we do? And Peter's like, repent, rethink everything. They're cut to the heart. They, 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 this message has just grabbed them. And he says, rethink everything. He's telling them to make a declaration. 
not only to resolve to make a decision, but to make a new resolution that this Jesus, he and he alone, is the answer to what we've all been waiting for, what they've been waiting for. He's the answer to their completeness. He's the answer to our fullness. He's the answer to bring restoration to our lives. But this decision would also bring about persecution. And when Jesus ascended after his resurrection, the followers of Jesus hid and scattered. They had this great persecution. It was great and heavy. They had fear of their lives. And it was not easy. And when do you need peace the most? When you're being persecuted. As you read on, you hear about this character called Saul and he was a super zealous and determined Pharisee. He thought he was trying to bring about fullness and completion of the Pharisees. Peace, if you will, so that the Messiah would come with his sword, take down the Romans, and they would be free from their oppression. We've heard about Julius Caesar and how he called himself the Prince of Peace with the sword. He was an evil, evil dude. This term peace has a lot of baggage with it. We hear about Stephen and how he was full of God's grace and glory. And he, he, he talks to the... He's talking and they just are not happy with what he's saying. So they, they, they've called him a blasphemer. They've, they've said some stuff, said he's blasphemed against God and Moses. He gets taken to the court and he just rips them up. And they hate it, they get angry and they stone him. But in that moment he has so much peace. He asks God to not hold his killers accountable. In this, in this chaos that he's in, he has done. In his expression, he has only peace. And then he fell asleep. I'm not sure I could say that about, that about my persecutors. And they're not definitely trying to kill me. Over the journey of, of our life of our married life and having kids, we've had some really times, hard times where there has been no peace. Things that we've thought were going to happen and didn't. And in those moments, not really understanding, not really knowing what God was doing. Even the last, the last six months, last year, we've had things that have changed in our life, in our landscape the wider landscape, and in our closer life, we've had things that have come up. And my initial reaction has not been to be in peace. My initial reaction is to close my fist and want to hurt somebody. And that kind of scares me a little bit because that's not what <laughs> we're called to live like. And I'm sure I'm not the only one in this room right now, who needs peace? Who's had a day or a week 
or a month or even years where this chaos, where this brokenness is evident. This world right now is crazy and all you have to do is look at the news. Open your phone up and it is just insane. We all need this peace. We all need completion, this fullness. And if we search for it in this world, if we look to the news, if we look to social media, we won't find it. If we look to find it in a relationship, I just need that relationship to help me to find peace. It's not going to be there. That might be harsh, but it's not going to happen. It won't bring peace. The only way that we can experience true peace is first in Christ and his fullness. In Mark 4.39, there's a story about Jesus calming the storm and they're all on the boat. And there's this massive storm and they're freaking out. And it's not like the, the, they hadn't been on a boat before. Like these, a lot of these dudes were fishermen. They'd experienced storms. They had experienced being there. They, they, they knew what was happening. They were freaking out. This storm must have been huge. And I think to myself, like, look on, go on YouTube and look up like ships in storms. There's nuts, man. Let's fr- and, like, get that sort of picture. They're freaking out. They thought they were going to drown. Jesus wakes up. They wake him up. And he's like, yeah, righto. Verse 39 says he got up and refused the wind. He rejected it. He cast it off. That's what refuse means. And he said to the waves, peace be still. I can only imagine that moment and I, I try to, I can't, I can't because I'm not a fisherman. I don't, I don't like I like watching people catch fish, but I don't like fishing. But if you're on a, if you have a picture of the boat, and then Jesus stands there, and it is chaos, and he says, "Peace be still," and there is just this aftershock when he says the words that rolls off his tongue, just peace be still. It restores everything. It calms everything. Scripture says his word never returns a void. I'm going to read Psalms 46. It'll be up on the screen. It says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake With their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he's brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Though its waters roar and foam, this is a description of utter chaos. 
He says to it all. He says to my chaos. He says to your chaos. Be still and know that I am God. These scriptures describing this same thing isn't a coincidence. They didn't conspire. Conspire is not the right word. They didn't work with each other. There's lots of time frame between these two things. It all points to Jesus. No one else but Jesus. Who, being the one scripture declares, will make everything whole again. We can be assured that the word of God, this life-giving, restoring word of God, shows us the way to live in this peace. To be complete, full in restoration, living as followers, flourishing followers of Jesus Christ. Most of us here will be familiar with John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God at the beginning. John 1.14. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Scripture is the Word of God. And if you're here today for the first time, and I'm not quite sure on what this is all about, or if you've been here for a while and still not quite sure, like most of us grappling with this. It's not about a, a book about right or wrongs. This isn't about right or wrongs. Or how being a Christian is a boring life. Yes, there's stuff in here. There's instruction on how to live the fullest, flourishing life. But it's a love story about how God has called his people through covenant with Abraham, into the inheritance. And through the cross, you and I are also co-heirs with Christ, brought into that inheritance. It's difficult trying to figure out this, like this kind of like getting out what's in your head and, and writing it down is odd. It really is odd. And then knowing that you have to sort of speak on something um, and not say it wrong. And all I've known over this journey of being a follower of Jesus and knowing how, where he's brought me from and what he's brought me through and knowing that sometimes I haven't felt that peace but then also knowing that it's only because of Jesus' peace. It's only because of his fullness. It's only because of his completion that I could even stand here And sometimes I still grapple with that because I'm not sure like why that would be the case for me, why he has called me, why he has called you guys, why we have placed in this moment in Armidale for this time, like feeling kind of almost like guilty that 
you know, we've got it pretty easy. And then getting annoyed when the mechanic charges me way too much for my car service or when I reverse into my wife's mirror in the car. And I think, like, think to myself, like, how Stephen, he was getting killed, literally. Like, I've had a rock thrown at me once by a lawnmower. <laughs> that hurts, man. But, like, they're pegging him with rocks and kill him. And in that moment, he still says, Lord, don't hold this accountable to them. The only way that's possible is the fullness and completion that Jesus brings. Because he doesn't see himself, he doesn't see his situation, although it's crap. And he, he knows he's going to die. Because they know that, like, when this happens. Well, actually, Paul got stoned and then he walked, got up and walked away. That's another story. But 99.9% of the time, <laughs> you die. You don't wake up. And even in that moment, he has this amazing peace. Second Corinthians five seventeen to eighteen, in the Amplified version, says this: Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away behold the fresh and new has come but all things are from God who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself received us into favour brought us into harmony with himself and gave us to the ministry of reconciliation that by word and deed we might aim to bring others into harmony with him There becomes a moment when all of our searching, all of our struggles, all of the chaos, when life is in those million different pieces. If we turn to the world to fix it, we may get a fix for a moment, a fleeting moment. And everything would be just okay. But it's a band-aid. And will always be a band-aid. The world says, look to peace from here. You'll get your peace if you post this on social media. You'll get your peace if you put yourself first before you put others first. You'll get your peace if you invest in here, money will find you happiness. That love will find you happiness. That relationship, that's okay. That'll find you your happiness. It's a band-aid. And before it can even be healed, the world who you turn to, who we turn to, who I turn to, will just rip it off again before it's healed. If we keep doing this, it won't heal. It'll just make it worse. We'll never to be able, we'll never be able to experience true life 
flourishing peace. So this moment, the start of this year, I'm kind of inspired to make a New Year's resolution of how to be a man, a husband, a father, a friend, an elder, how to live in peace, how to be not caught up and swept in what the world wants me to live like, what the world wants you to live like. How as a church that we understand and we walk out, the church is not these four walls, we know that. How we are to live as a church, as a family, as a community of believers. And come to our brother and sister and say, hey, here, I love you. How do we live in peace? Again, it's easy to say. I've said it heaps of times, and it's easy to say. Jesus himself is our Irene. Irene. He is a whole complete human that we are meant to be. But we have failed to be. And it's only through the life that he gave us by being on the cross are we able to be complete. Are we able to experience that fullness? And now as followers of Jesus, we are instructed. It's our job to create peace. We've got all the we've got all the tools. We don't have any of the answers. We've got all the tools. And I, I, I never take it for granted that what Dave has been teaching us over the years about how to get this the biggest thing. This is complex. It's kind of there's some easy parts, I suppose. But it's complex. And it's hard. And this is hard, like, trying to express your, your brain ideas. But how Dave speaks about it, how Dave speaks about get scripture, takes it, opens it up, and goes, bang. Like, my life has been changed. And I know this church has been changed. And I know that we're going to continue to be changed. But we're instructed to create peace. It's our job. In this complex life, like we heard in the video, by keeping unity together through the bond of peace. By doing everything that we can to work together, by laying your own patterns down. Dave was talking about being in control. I love being in control because back here on this little thing, you can just press play. Oh, he's only got a click track. You're not going to hear it. I could have just pressed play and the tracks would start. And I press stop and they stop. Or in the little microphone back here, you say, Come on, Zach, play the drums harder. Yeah, sick. Push it, push it. That's awesome control. I, I love that. 
it's not about that at all. At all. It's about coming alongside our brother and sister and going, Oi. We don't have to know each other's all our stories, right? We don't have to be best mates. All of that. It's impossible for us all to be best buds. We're not called to like each other. I hope we do. But we're called to love each other. And by love, the example of love is not what someone's showing you on Instagram. The example of love is laying down your life for your brother and sister as Jesus did and saying, I'll put you first. That's it. That's creating unity. I'm going to come to a close so you guys can jump up. My prayer in this moment, as as we have this year, as we move into this year, and as we are unsure exactly on what God's going to do and how God's going to lead us and shape us and guide us and the things that He's talking to, and we will just come before Him in prayer and seeking His face and saying, "God, not our will, but Your will be done." And as we do that, as we grapple with this idea more and more piece by piece brick by brick splinter by splinter it'll all mould back in it will if we do it in the love of our Lord and Jesus Christ I pray that in the moments of chaos because there will be in the moments of trial because there will be scripture says there will be trial we read and there's lots of trial but I pray that in those moments that we can hear the words of Jesus see it even man I would love see that in the spiritual peace be still and just see this like a shockwave of sound just travelling and never ending because it doesn't end he said let there be light he didn't say stop the light light is continuing they're going to try and find the end of the galaxies good luck I pray that in those moments we can say, peace, be still. And I pray that if anything out of today, that we can just, if you've got a friend in here, a close, your family, friends, whatever it is as a church, we can move forward and say, come on, brother, come on, sister. Peace, be still in that situation. Peace, be still. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. Thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to just talk to one another and learn. We thank you for friendships. We thank you for just your grace. It's you and you alone, Lord God. There is no one else like you. Heavenly Father, in this room right now, I pray for all those who need your peace. 
I pray for those moments where there, where there is chaos, that your peace would just reside. That your gentle, beautiful voice, peace, my brother, peace, my sister, will fall upon every household, every financial burden, every anxiety, every depression, everything, Lord God. I pray your peace be still over every moment. Lord, I pray you open our eyes once again to your beautiful, beautiful throne. And we can come before you as children. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are so gracious in love. And Lord, I pray that in every moment, in every season, in every decision that we make. Your peace will be still.